good morning, everyone. Um, I hope you guys had a really great week. Um, <clears throat> we're continuing to our sermon series called His Land and His People. And our text for today is come from Exodus chapter um, 35, verse 30 to 35. Let me read this um, passage for you. Then the Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name, by name, Bezuel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he, God, has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic design to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in craving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Oholiab, the son of Hishamak of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by engraver or by a designer or, or embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine twin lead or by waiver by any sort of workman or skilled designer. This is God's word. Sloth or laziness is named as one of the seven deadly sin. But I had a but I but I have question, my very personal question, which is why is simple laziness such a sin? Why are we not allowed to be a little lazy when we feel like it? We can't work 24-7, 365 days. But are we not allowed to be a little lazy when we feel like it? Please remember this question. And I will ask this question again at the end of my sermon. Our modern, our modern words, view of slot, is totally different than a sin. And it is not considered as a sin. New York playwrights Wendy Wasserstein writes this way. Sloth might be viewed as an amiable and even helpful alternative to the norm of frenetic activity in our cultures. Meaning, people tend to think that sloth is good or healthy thing to keep us from their busy life. But the biblical view of sloth is the exact opposite from the modern view of sloth. The book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 9 says, Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. In other words, whoever is slack in his work is a master destroyer. Carl Barth, 
who was a Swiss Reformed theologian, re-examined the nature of sloth. And his view of sloth is a sin of commission, not omission. Sin of commission, not omission. Sin of commissions are those sinful actions that are proactively done. For example, lying, idolatry, murder, and so and so are examples of sins of commission. So Bart's understanding of sloth is our sinful actions or works that are proactively done. It is human work that destroy the land that God has created for us. In addition to Barth's understanding of sloth and his analysis, being a slothfulness is the refusal act, refusal to act as a neighbor and kin to other, including the failure to be responsible to those who precede and follow us in this work and remaining inactive when action is necessary. When someone needs our help and the creation needs our action, we have refused to act as neighbor and kin to others and fail to be responsible to maintain the land that God has created for us because our remaining inactivity when action is necessary. Therefore, sloth, in part analysis, is the undoing God's good work of creation and preservation of the world. Today, we are going to see a great example of good work or wise work from the book of Exodus, which is the design and construction of the tabernacle the portable sanctuary for the wilderness. This account of designing and constructing of the tabernacle show us the meaning of good work and wise work, which is totally opposite to the word of sloth. My hope and pray that we may learn the way to honor God through our good and wise work and respect for the material word as God's own well-crafted work. The tabernacle. The tabernacle is first mentioned in the book of Exodus chapter 25 and was the portable sanctuary that the Israelites carried with them in the wilderness. Hebrew word for tabernacle is mishkan, which means to dwell. The tabernacle was considered to be earthly dwelling place of God. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 and 9, God commands Moses to tell the Israelites to build a sanctuary, which is a tabernacle where God may dwell. And he also gave the instruction, the way to build the tabernacle. In addition to tabernacle, Ellen Davis says this, the wilderness sanctuary, which is the tabernacle, the earthly dwelling place of God, is a microcosm of the word. In other words, the tabernacle 
is a miniature of the word. A smaller version of how the word, how the land, how the God's creation is supposed to be like. I'm not a big fan of Lego because I'm not good with my hands. So these two hands are useless for me. But, but there was one instance when I played with Lego. That was when I was in quarantine. By building a miniature, of, miniature Lego car, one of the racing car, I was able to understand and know more about the interior and exterior of an actual car. And I was able to know what it is supposed to have and look like. So by building a miniature of racing car, I was able to know everything about this car. Likewise, the tabernacle is telling us about God's intention for his land and his people. It was a place where God dwells and, and met his people. Though God no longer dwells within tabernacle because we don't have tabernacle nowadays, God continues to dwell in and with his creation as he did before in the tabernacle. Therefore, as the people of God, we also can find and meet God through his creation. And in the tabernacle, there is the Sabbath law. Six-day work and rest. God's intention for his land and his people is six-day works and rest on the seventh day. So that the, both the land and his people can be rest. So in the tabernacle, the tabernacle is telling us God's intention for his land and his people. So by saying that the wilderness sanctuary, which is the tabernacle, is microcosm of the word, Alan Davis wants to point out that through the tabernacle, we can learn how the word is supposed to be like. How the word is supposed to be like. Moreover, through the tabernacle story, we can, we can also learn about wise work, which is the opposite word of slothfulness and laziness. Ellen Davis says, in order to build tabernacle, generosity and wisdom are required for the work of building and constructing the tabernacle. In other words, God called his people to be wise for this work. In the story of building the tabernacle, God chose Bazuel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And God has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic design to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stone for setting, and in craving wood for work in every skilled craft. So it is not something that, something that Bezuel already knew how to build the sanctuary because he was wise. But 
But God is the one. God was the one who actually filled the Spirit of God and gave everything, everything, every needs. Moreover, God has inspired him to teach both him or Oholiab, the son of Ashmech or Hishmech of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them skilled to do every sort of work done by engraver or by designer by embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine twinling, or by weaver, by any sort of workman or skill designer. Likewise, if the tabernacle is the miniature of the word, which tell us and teach us about how the word, how the, how the God's land and, and his people are supposed to be like, then God is calling us today, God is calling us to be wise in our works so that we are able to act as a neighbor and kin to other and to be responsible to those, to those who precede and follow us in our, in this world and remaining active so that we can, we can act when action is necessary. And the following question must be like this. Where? Where does wisdom come from? Where does wisdom come from? From the passage that we read today, it seems like wisdom comes from God only. Wisdom comes from God only. God is the one who actually filled the chief designer, Batswell, with every skill that he is supposed to have. God is the source of all wisdom. Regarding the true wisdom, one of the godly men from the Bible, Job, says this. From where then does wisdom come from? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. So what, so what Job says is this, wisdom is only come from God and it's, we cannot find the true wisdom in this earth, in this, in this earth, from this earth. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the, for, for he looks to the end of the, end of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the winds its weight, and a portion the water by measure when he made decree for the rain and, and a way for, for the lightning of the, of the thunder. Then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Do you still remember the question that I asked in the beginning? Why is simple laziness 
such a sin? Are we not allowed to be a little lazy when we feel like it? Sloth or laziness is a very self-indulgent mindset, a selfish attitude that says, I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do, and the way I want to do. In other words, laziness indicates that indicates that we are being ruled by our own desires. We place ourselves on the throne as ruler of our own lives, rather than acknowledging that God is sovereign. If we place ourselves on the throne as ruler of our own lives, the problem is to find, to find out which is the voice of God and hear it. Because, of, because our focus is going to be our desire and interest. And this is the refusal to act as a neighbor and kin to other, including the failure to be responsible toward to those who precede and follow us in this, in this world and remaining inactive when action is necessary. Undoing of God's good work of creation and preservation of the word. Therefore, God is the one who gives us his wisdom. And because he so loved the word and his people, he already gave gave his wisdom for his people. And his wisdom is Jesus Christ. He gave us and he sent us his wisdom, Jesus. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's how the Apostle Paul confessed about Jesus Christ. He is the power of God and wisdom of Christ. Wisdom of God. Wisdom of God. And God sent this wisdom to us. And in him, there is all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. And the scripture tells us, that, tells us that if any of us, if any of us lacks wisdom, we should come to Jesus, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to us so that we can act as neighbor and kin to other and to be responsible to those who precede and f- to, to those who precede and follow us in this world and remaining active so that we can act when action is necessary so brothers and sisters in Christ my final word is this if any of us if any of us lacks wisdom, come to Jesus Christ because he is the source of all wisdom and he is able us to work. He is able to us to do good work for, his, for God's creation. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, we need your wisdom. So now we come to you, Lord, to ask for your wisdom. So then we can, we can, we can, we can do good work for your, for your creation, for your glory, for your name, and for the good of your people, Lord. Help us and guide us and lead us your way, Lord. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.